0: Hebrews chapter 13, and welcome to those in uh, Christian coffee time and others that are uh, looking into this broadcast, welcome, nice to have you here. Uh, we're in Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to look at uh, verses 5 to 8 this morning. This is kind of like you'll see it's a New Year's sort of thingy, or not. We'll um, have a look at that in a minute. Let's have a word of... Uh, prayer and ask the Lord to help us and to guide us, okay? Father, again, we just give thanks now, we pray in Jesus' name, and help us, Lord, as we look into this portion of Scripture that you've given to us here. Thank you for your grace now, and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, make sure you have uh, your pen and paper and such handy to write down references, because oftentimes, not oftentimes, usually we talk about other portions of Scripture that have to do with the ones we're looking at, because that's how you study your Bible, right? You don't take one verse out and make a doctrine out of it, you've got to look at what the the Bible says on on that subject all the way through. It's a wonderful wonderful way to study the Bible, it's about the only way to study it. We're going to have a look at this uh, portion, we come to chapter 13, we've come through Hebrews, we've been a while on it, we back up a little bit. Uh, One of the most difficult books in the Bible, I suppose, uh, um, besides the book of Revelation, but it really isn't when you get into it and see the keys to them. Uh, in Hebrews there's a lot of confusion out there as to what's going on a lot of people think well you can lose your salvation see it says this and this and this you have to remember what's going on the Spirit of God is giving this to the writer we don't really know who the writer is some say it was the Apostle Paul but uh, uh, we don't know Um, the Spirit of God was trying to reach some people that amongst the Hebrews at that time there were some that had seen had Tasted of the good word of God and tasted of the spirit of God and those things, and they had were in danger of saying, You know, we don't want this, we're going to go back to Judaism. And he talks about um, uh, giving the example of in the Old Testament of the provocation in the wilderness, it's called remember when they came up to the promised land after their, uh, uh, their journey through there, and they sent the spies in, the uh, 12 spies in to search out the land, and they brought back the report of the land. And uh, they brought back some of the the fruits, such of the land. So the people heard a good report. They tasted of the fruit. Then they heard about the giants and the land. They said, we're not going in there. We can't do that. They backed away. And God said, he got very angry with them. and said, you will not enter into my rest because of your unbelief. That is a picture of what's taking place here in Hebrews. It's of individuals. The book, book of Hebrews uses the word illumination and enlightenment that does not save a person Okay, get that straight and you'll see the, what the book of Hebrews is about we say many times um, if it's not about that then why was he warning these people? why was he warning them uh, that it was a, a terrible thing for them to go back and then that they would have there's no way for them to come back after that after receiving the knowledge of Christ and all that they had tasted of and to go back and give up Okay. So that's basically what it's about. It's interesting the Lord gives us that example from the Old Testament of the provocation in the wilderness. you will not enter into his rest except through belief, and that's belief of the heart. Illumination of the Spirit of God comes upon an individual. 2 uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, I think it's verse 13, talks about the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Before the belief of the truth, The Spirit of God comes upon that person and helps them understand and sees that. Do you remember when you uh, were saved? Do you remember when you saw the light, as it were? I remember it was so clear, so (coughs) absolutely clear. And the Spirit of God, I've told you before, it was just like a veil was lifted. It was like, oh, I see, I get it. That was illumination. Then I cried out, Lord, save my soul, my sin-sick soul. Okay, That's what's going on. Okay? You're not saved by having a knowledge and knowing some things about Jesus Christ. Okay? It's the heart trusting in Christ, knowing that you're a sinner. Knowing that this is God manifest in the flesh for your sins personally. Okay, and That you must accept Him. You must believe in Him. You must trust in Him. You must put your faith in Christ. Okay? That's what the first 12 chapters are all about. Now we get to chapter 13. Something different is happening here. And if you look through uh, this chapter 13, you'll see what's. Uh, uh, it, it just would seem, now this is just my thoughts here, but it seems to be that as we look at this uh, chapter, it would seem that the Holy Spirit, He may have won the hearts of some individuals, okay? And we don't know how many, but we, we are told, we looked at the uh, book of Acts that tells us that um, in the one portion it said, how many thousands of the Jews who were zealous for the law and then believed in Jesus you got a problem right there. That should Warning light should be going off. The law and grace don't mix. Okay, It doesn't mix. And he talked about the priest that did the same kind of thing. So there was a, a lot of people in that situation, but uh, we don't really know if that's exactly what the, uh, the problem was here. Well, that was a big problem in itself. We don't really know who these ones were that were going back. But it would seem to me, as we're looking at this, and it's just what I think, and you don't have to accept that, Uh, Could it be that the Spirit of God has won them over? Because he's not going on now about telling them about all the things he talked about, how dangerous it was for them to give up after knowing, after going for a test drive with the Holy Spirit and then saying, I don't want that, I don't want anything to do with it. And warning them and warning them and warning them and encouraging encouraging them to come on to Christ. Jesus is a... The better sacrifice. He's better than the angels. Better than the Old Testament law. Better, better, better than everything. In fact, he says he was going to do away with the Old Testament law that the second covenant would be established. The second covenant is uh, Jesus Christ shedding his blood for uh, our sins. And we see that in uh, Luke, is it Luke chapter 22? I think so. So we see here in this chapter right here, it could be that the Spirit of God has won them over or... He could just simply be addressing those who truly are saved. Those who truly believe. Those who will believe and they listen. Okay, Because there's not so much an admonition in here in this last chapter towards you must trust in Christ. You must come ahead. You must go on with Christ. He's giving um, various admonitions now. Um, I counted and, and I broke it down to about 15 different. I call them topics. Through this, it's kind of like if you were going to make a uh, New Year's resolution. I don't. Nobody ever makes. Them. How many, how many have ever made a New Year's resolution? Okay, there's there's a couple hands. Not that many. Um, for the Christian, if you want to make a New Year's resolution. This is where you need to go, chapter 13, because we look at the history of it and see the other chapters and what he was talking about how he's warning them and encouraging them and describing the difference between Jesus Christ and the Old Testament law that they wanted to go back to and everything. And Now he says, okay, now this is what I want you to do. Now do this. Do these things. Now that you believe these things should be in your life, these things should be your focus. These things are things that should be upon your heart every day. This is what your manner of life should be like. Because he talks about the, uh, their conversations, not their words. It means manner of life. Okay? So that's what's going on here. So we see chapter 13 is kind of a different uh, setup than the others. If we back up a bit, and we'll just review uh, very quickly the first four verses. We looked last, last week or the week before, I remember, two weeks ago. He says, let brotherly love continue, and we looked at the word love there, it's not the agape love that you see there, God so loved the world, that's a self-sacrificing love, this is that phileo, this is that brotherly affection, or to, uh, to cherish another person, <clears throat> the Bible tells us, for the husband is to love his wife, that's a self-sacrificing love towards his wife, but he tells the wife, in I think it's Timothy, to love the husband and the children, it's a different word, it's phileo, it means to cherish them, okay, husband is to have that uh, self-sacrificing attitude he says be not um, let brotherly love continue to go on uh, not stop Um, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, it's interesting that word entertain right there has the word phileo in it it's the love of strangers it's a hospitality towards strangers you love helping people you love doing that, it's in there He mentions that word, entertain, twice here, that hospitality. Uh, Strangers, some have entertained angels unawares. And then he said, remember. And we'll see that word, remember, coming up later. Some of the things to be mindful of it means. uh, Remember those that are in bonds, those that are in prisons, as bound with them. Put yourself in their shoes, as it were. You see somebody in a difficult situation. Well, that guy really deserved that. And that's something we say and we think, but... He says, you know, we ought to be thinking about them, Think about their soul and the situation they're in in that. Um, remember David, uh, when uh, uh, there was a problem with Saul was after him all the time and then there was a, a difficulty and such, and David was praying for his well-being. That's the attitude of the man after God's own heart. So it's about that, the love of the heart. So remember I said these are... Um, um, various admonitions, or various things that you see in the life of a Christian, in the heart of a Christian, in the manner of life, okay? We see that. And that which suffer adversity, being yourselves also in the bodies. First of all, speaking to and about those who are believers. In verse 4 he talked about marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled. Uh, today, uh, fornication and unclean things are just rampant you know the government makes laws that we can't speak against what the Bible speaks against mm-hmm. well sorry um, then he, he says but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge that word uh, whoremongers right there is the word pornia or pornos uh, it means fornication actually the word harlot is the word pornos which means when we get por- pornography and such means pictures of harlots. That's what it means. Um, in that, whoremongers uh, right there, there's a couple things to consider. Uh, we didn't mention last week or last night. It's both heterosexual and homosexual. Okay. Mm-hmm. So right there, he's, he's taking a, 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 we're standing against what the government says. They just don't know. They don't know God. They hate God. If they knew God, they wouldn't be saying the things that they're saying. They wouldn't be doing these things. When God comes to the Lord, He doesn't pull any punches. You know, He says, this is this and this is that, okay? And okay, fine, if that's where it is, then leave it there. He says, God will judge. Nobody gets away with anything. Now down to what we're going to look at. I think we just touched on this. Let your conversation, that word, that's not your words. It means your manner of life, okay? Your conduct, the way that you live, okay? What is our way? our way is Jesus Christ and the scriptures, amen? that's our way and people should see that in us, okay let your conversation, your manner of life be without covetousness now, that word covetous, I think we did touch on this I'll just go over this quickly then it's not that general covetousness that is a which means no love of silver let your manner of life be without the love of money okay, no love of money it's not wrong to have money. It's wrong to love it. What does the Bible say about that? That the love of money is the what? The root of all evil. Okay. Um, let your let your manner of life be without the love of money. Well, why would he say that? Because there's a problem here. He's going to deal with it. He's just going to show them you know be content. Didn't the apostle Paul say that I've learned in whatsoever state I am in? There. How does it go? I learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content okay to be content he learned that and this is what we see here coming out let your conversation be without the love of money and be content and we have such things as you have now looking at that and uh, looking at the context here that gives us the idea of possessions I don't think he's talking about possessions because first of all, he says, and he goes on to say, so that we may boldly, oh no, I'll back up Other verse. Jesus has said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. What's that got to do with possessions? What's that got to do with a person gathering stuff? It just doesn't seem to fit to me. Maybe I just don't get it. But I think it's not that at all. It's um, The word things uh, uh, give us the wrong idea there content with the circumstances he's talking about he's talking about circumstances here because they one of the problems that they had was and this is written in the, um, in the 60s in the first century and in the mid 60s you had getting up to the end of the reign of Nero who was called the beast who's a picture of the Antichrist to come okay okay and uh, he was terrible and horrible and so you can imagine living at that time. Christianity actually became outlawed and so he's addressing these ones this is some of the Hebrews were living in that in that thing okay um, be content with such things as you have And you think of the circumstance he said I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee so if you're under that kind of persecution and stuff that was probably one of the main reasons that they were wanted to give up and go back. Remember, if you go back to the provocation in the wilderness, what was the difficulty? One of the big difficulties. Well, there's giants. These things are going to beat us up. We're going we're to have a bad time with them. They're going to give us a hard time. I'm out of here. Okay. So you have today, could you imagine if Christianity was outlawed? Oh, boy. You think the churches are uh, uh, thin now? That will really thin them out, wouldn't, wouldn't you think? Okay? So you get that idea what's happening here. He says, don't worry about that stuff. For Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now sometimes you get people say, and they use the book of Hebrews to say that, well, you can lose your salvation. Well, they don't understand the difference between illumination and salvation. Okay, And Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When you get saved, what happens? Yeah, you're declared righteous. You're forgiven of your sins. You're declared just by God. And the Spirit of God comes and does what? Mm-hmm. Takes up residence right inside there. Hey, eh? the Bible says that's the Spirit of Christ, uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 9. And He says, I'm not going anywhere. Wait a minute, He's not going anywhere. What does that mean? It means you can't lose your salvation. That statement right there is a declaration of the eternal salvation I will never leave thee nor forsake thee when you get saved when you trust in Jesus Christ you become one of his his possession one of his children and no matter what you do or what you don't do you cannot lose your salvation he says I'll never leave you nor forsake you we might as Peter time just uh, turn aside or whatever he says I'm not going anywhere and he'll eventually bring you back or take you home Okay. I will never leave thee nor forsake you. So we see right here that the focus is upon the Lord Jesus, not your possessions and not your circumstances. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ in everything. If you've got a, a bad connection with your internet, take it to the Lord. If you've got a snowstorm, take it to the Lord. Or whatever you've got. You've got problems in your life right now that are concerned, a big concern for you. They may not be a big problem You've got something in your life that you want changed. Right? Probably. Take it to the Lord. Take everything, all the time to Him. That's what He's saying to the people here. And it comes down the road 2,000 years to us right now. Take it to the Lord, everything. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we go to verse 6. So that we may boldly say... The Lord is my helper, not money. Remember he said, forget the money. Some people look at the, 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 their savings or money or whatever. Money will fix everything. It doesn't fix anything. Jesus Christ is the one you look to. You can't buy your way out of this and that and the other things. A lot of people have a lot of money that are just miserable. Eh? So they say. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Just kind of chew on that for a bit. We should take some time and think about that. The Lord is my help; He's my helper? It doesn't mean He's your bellboy. Mm. God is God Almighty and He's holy beyond what we could imagine. But He comes down to us and He's right inside there. And he wants us to bring everything to Him and pray to Him. And He'll help us. He'll fix it. Uh, if it's according to His will. The Lord is my helper. He says, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I will not fear. Now, you take that in context of the day that this was written. These people that were uh, serving Jesus Christ are believers. Uh, were, they're in danger of, and they had, many had lost their homes, their jobs, all their possessions, and they're out on the street. Think about it. That's what happened. Don't worry about the circumstance. Don't worry about the thing. I'm with you. But, 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 don't worry about it. I'll work it out. I will work it out. You believe in Jesus Christ. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? That's trust. He's saying that. That's trust. Then we go on to verse 7. And we have this thing. Three times mentioned through this about uh, those which have the rule over you. Okay, verse seven, verse seventeen, and verse twenty-four. <laughs> the rule over you. Some take that to a to a, a, an extreme and say, "Yeah, rule." The one fellow says to me, "If if the preacher told me to take a hammer and smash all the windows out of the church building, I'd do it. Mm. I forget if I said you're a dope or I just thought that. I can't remember. Uh-huh. But real no, seriously. Yeah. Come on. That's lording it over God's people. That's setting themselves up as a pope, as one fellow said, a pope in a suit, not a robe. He says, remember them, but he says, remember, these are things that will help you, and these are things that should be in our lives. These are things, are good things. And that's what chapter 13 is about. And there's about 15 different topics here. And he says, remember them. they are to call to mind to not to forget. Them which have the rule over you, has the idea of the leaders, okay? And in the church, God is a God of order, uh, the pastor, the elder, the bishop, it's all the same person or persons, okay? And they run the show. You might work somewhere where you have a boss owns the company, the owner, but he has placed a manager over it, Okay? And he manages, he says, this is how this, this is to be. And it's like a church too, okay? Um, you got a lot more information on this. is a whole other topic itself, and we'll deal with it later. But those that have the rule over you, your leaders, the pastor in the church, okay? There's a big uh, responsibility for that individual. Those that have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Oh, look at this, look at this. The problem with a lot of churches roundabout about is the one in the pulpit, the pastor, or pastorettes, women aren't supposed to be pastors anyways, um, but they're not teaching and preaching the word of God. They're not preaching from the scriptures. They're preaching telling funny stories or whatever. I don't know what they do. Or, or denominational distinctives and such. Remember those that have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God. If they're not speaking the word of God to you from this pulpit... <laughs> you don't have to listen you need to get rid of them or you need to go somewhere else where you have the Word of God spoken to you, you see? remember them that have the rule over you and have spoken unto you the Word of God now keep note of that because we'll come back to that later um, he's talking about the written word okay? and he says whose faith follows, see that word follow there we talked about it earlier um, this is the same word as we saw earlier on it doesn't mean to follow. You can follow somebody. you got somebody ahead of you and, and they're going on and they're just really walking along fast and that and you just kind of just tripping along behind enjoying the scenery and stop and looking at the ants and stuff. That's not what this is about. It doesn't mean just to follow on. This means to imitate. Mm-hmm. The Apostle Paul said follow me as I follow Christ. It means to imitate. To imitate. Boy, what a responsibility is placed on the pastor's shores to do right, to live right, to be right, to talk right, and everything else, eh? Wow. We need to pray for one another. Whose faith follow, imitate those that have the rule over you, spoken unto you the word of God. Follow them as they follow Christ, considering the end of their conversation. Um the end of their behavior, their conduct, okay? The focus here is on the word of God and faith, not the individual in the pulpit. It's faith and the word of God. You may or you may not like me as a person. You have to respect the position. You have to respect the word of God that comes out. Amen? Amen, please, somebody. (laughs) That's what it's about here. Earlier on in uh, is it Thessalonians, I think it's maybe Timothy, I can't remember which, he talks about have peace and be at peace among yourselves and, and having a right attitude to those that have the rule over you. Okay? One of the biggest problems in churches is that's where it starts, that problem, you get all wound up and bent out of shape. If you have a problem with somebody else in church or somebody else or anybody else, one of the best things you can do is pray for them. That will soften your heart and help them. Okay? You are find that? you got somebody right now upon your mind. Somebody You, just, you get along with everybody? Well, you do know, as, as well as much as you're able. You pray for that individual. Pray for them. It'll help them. And it'll help you too. Because we want the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We don't want any of this nonsense. The Spirit of God will not work in that. That's in the church. He won't do it. He won't do it. I had a bad attitude towards my pastor in Hanover. I thought I was justified in it. I just didn't like him. He did something or didn't do something, and I carried that for quite a while. I had a problem. I had the problem. The Lord spoke to me about I had to get that fixed. Okay? Remember those that have the rule over you and who have spoken unto you the word of God... Whose faith follow. Imitate. Considering the end of the conversation. Now we get to verse 8. We're going to use this as the our, our last bit here. So we're not going to go any further today. But the previous verse. And verse 7. It's, it's about the written word. Okay. Because the word of God he says. That one that rules over you. That one that leads the church. Is supposed to speak and teach from the word of God. Right. It's supposed to come out. And if it's not there's a problem so he's talking about the two main things here are the written word and in verse 8 what's it about the Living Word everything comes down to Jesus Christ and your relationship to him your attitude towards him and everything else Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever first of all it's a declaration of deity Jesus Christ, just the same, doesn't change. Well, that's what God's about. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He doesn't change, beginning and end. He doesn't change. Very important. On the cross of Calvary, that was God for your sins, for my sins, for everybody's sins. Amen? Amen. That was God in the flesh on the cross of Calvary. That's what it took to pay for our horrible, horrible sins, was for God to take on human flesh, to be nailed up on that roman cross and the blood and everything else and the sacrifice and there he is god almighty for us proofs of deity we don't have to go over them just a few uh, matthew uh, chapter 1 verse 21 and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is being interpreted god with us okay John 8, 20, 24, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says to them except you believe that I am and in our Bible it has the word he after that but it's in italics We take the italics out because it's not in the original okay, not as was spoken Jesus said except you believe that I am you shall die in your sins that's what he said and they knew at that time and we know the I am goes back to Exodus Moses says who shall I say that has sent me God says, tell them that I am. The I am is God Almighty, is a title of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That belief from your heart, you will die in your sins. Isaiah 9:6 uh, talks about him, um, five different things there. Uh, for unto us a, a, a child is born, unto us a son is given, and he should be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God. The everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is God. Mm-hmm. This is God. Jesus Christ is God. And First Timothy three sixteen, the one I like to use, it simply says, uh, "Great is the mystery of godliness." That God was manifest in the flesh. That little baby born in Bethlehem as God. And that's something that he would step out of uh, heaven, as it were. And there he is in that manger. I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee, he says. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So we see that um, God doesn't change. Jesus Christ doesn't change. James chapter 1 verse 17 talks about God, that there is no shadow of turning. That means he's steady, he goes on, he's just straight like this. Doesn't turn this way and cast a shadow there, you see? This way, cast a shadow. Doesn't, Doesn't change at all. That's a good thing to know. You know that John three sixteen is not going to change. Is not going to come a time where he says. You know what? I think I'm just going to change the way we're going to do that. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> it's not going to change. The Word of God hasn't changed. You have the our English one right here. Um, I have. Uh, I've told you many times. I've got the, a Greek text I use. It goes way, It's the same thing. It goes way back. God doesn't change. His Word doesn't change we have there the idea of trust we have the idea of stability mm-hmm. how many need that in their lives stability mm-hmm. eh? Hey? calmness peace and all that i could use a bit of that sometimes but mm-hmm. you huh? Mm-hmm. some stability that's god and it's always that's what he's like yesterday the past today the present and forever the future he's like that that's our god mm-hmm. that's our god that's my god mm-hmm the God part of him, of Jesus Christ, let me put it that way, I put God part in italics, I don't know how else to say it, the God part of Jesus, because he was perfect man, and perfect God, right? right? He was without sin. The God part, and that's a dumb way to say it, I know, that's the same one that was way back in the Old Testament, it's the same one the same god who parted the waters the same god who created all things the same god who did all those miracles in the old testament and there he is standing there before them in the flesh And he goes to the cross for our sins and he rises from the dead on the third day the god part of him is the same god of the old testament the same god in creation The same God in directing his people, in guiding his people, in helping his people. He says he's our helper. The same God in correcting the heathen. The same God that will pour out his wrath upon them in days to come. The same God that comforts you and me. Always the same. That's our God. Amen. And as another year comes to a close here, a new year dawns upon us and great oppositions are looming on the horizon. Great oppositions. We are in a, uh, a tremendous, tremendous time. I had a phone call the other day from a fellow, uh, Eric Black, remember him? Talked to Eric, he's 84 now. We're talking about things, and, uh, end times, and we love to talk about that stuff. About the things on the horizon that are coming. Coming. You read the Bible. We, we, we can read the book of Revelation and see what's going on, come down the road. We see the forces of evil are gathering to oppose God and God and God's word to oppose Jesus Christ and His people. Let us make sure that we are focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this is saying here. You focus on Him, the written word and the living word. Got to. You've got to. You've got to. Our conversation, our manner of life, is that we look into the Word of God and we look to the living God for all things. Amen? Amen. Let us make sure that we are focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ and giving glory to God in all things and for all things to help us to be an encourager to somebody else, and we walk closely with Him, heeding the Word of God and looking unto Jesus Christ in all situations. Glory to His name. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, We pray and thank you for this portion of Scripture and these few things we can talk about today. Thank you for your word, O Lord. Thank you for yourself and the gift of eternal life to any that will believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the I Am. Lord, thank you now. We thank you now in Jesus' name.